whenever I hear a client of mine say like, God, I'm just, I'm really struggling getting this new habit. I'm really struggling getting this new habit. A lot of the times it's because the people in their environment do not view it as a standard. Welcome to the Life Coach Baker podcast. I'm Nicole Baker, life coach for perfectionists who want to set goals and actually follow through with them. I went to my first personal development seminar at the age of one. Yes, I was quite literally born into this industry. But by 15, I started to implement this mindset mumbo jumbo I'd heard so much about and it worked. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I've been able to set goals that are way out of my comfort zone and achieve them by doing things imperfectly, without self-judgment, and without the fear of their opinions. And now I help others to do the same. So if you are capital D done feeling like a hostage to this a-hole called perfectionism, then this show is for you. My goal is for you to leave each episode with tactical action steps that you can start to implement in your life now. I may be in my 20s. I may have the voice of a sassier Cinderella, but I've been doing this personal development-ish since I was a toddler. So let's dive in. What is up, my sweet friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker podcast. Today, we are finally talking about the, dare I say, masterpiece of a book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I have read this book twice now in the past month, and it has been some of the best devotion of my time in a very long time. I'm really excited to talk about this today. I'm going to split this conversation up a little bit as such. I'm going to do my overall big takeaways or my overall notes of the book. Then I want to go through part by part because they're very, very distinct and they're packed and I'm going to try to do them justice. And then I want to talk about what my biggest takeaways were, like what I'm, what I am taking from this book going forward and how I'm implementing it in my life because it was really cool. I got to read the book first through and just kind of absorb the material. And then the second time I got to read it and really do the book. You know what I mean? There's so many exercises. There's so many worksheets. I mean, like this guy packs it in and I'm really, really excited to talk about it today. So if you can't tell, I'm already just lit on this freaking book, and I highly, highly, highly recommend that everyone read it. Um, I want to almost say it's like a modernized version of The Power of Habit, which we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast. I loved The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. It's an incredible book. Honestly, it's one of like the OGs of the personal development world. However, it is very sciencey. It is very heady. There's a lot of studies about rats and (laughs) dopamine and um, Febreze commercials. There's a lot of like really weird, very dry talks and, and examples in the book. And don't get me wrong, it's phenomenal. I love that book, but it's not everyone's cup of tea. I think that this book, Atomic Habits, does a really good job of modernizing and making it a little bit more digestible, a little bit more relatable, a little bit more in normal human speak, dare I say. Um, It's a little bit more in that 
I'm able to understand this as a human being rather than feeling like I need to put on my scientific researcher hat. Um, So I think that that's a really powerful achievement. And to be honest, habits are highly scientific. There's so much stuff happening in our brain and so many studies that have been done, most involving rats, these poor freaking creatures. Um, But it is a really interesting book because he not only uses that information from those studies to give you the background of what's going on in your brain, but then he relates it to how it might be affecting you in your day-to-day. He uses Instagram and Netflix and Um, working out and smoking cigarettes and all things that are very common in our society right now, right? So I think that it's just a phenomenal achievement and a really good way to modernize the power of habit. Um, I want to talk to you guys about some of my favorite standout quotes from the book. First and foremost, habits are the compound interest of the personal development world. I'm going to say that again. Habits are the compound interest of the personal development world. So often I hear this from people coming into my space who are doing discovery calls with me, um, which by the way, you can book a free one. It is 30 minutes long at my website, www.lifecoachbaker.com. It's just you and me coaching for 30 minutes. It's pretty dope. But when people come to these calls, a lot of the times they're like, I just need the magic pill. I just need to know what to do and then I'm on my way. And to be honest, there's no one thing for anyone. And so often it is a compound interest of a bunch of different littler things that seem not as important right now. Like maybe your friend group is causing you a lot of anxiety and they make you feel bad about yourself. Or maybe social media is causing you to constantly compare your success to others, feeling like you're a total failure all the time. Or maybe, um, You feel like you don't have any time on your hands, but then you also are so tired from the end of the day that you end up watching Netflix for four hours. No judgment. Seriously, this is a really common, uh, I'm going to say complaint because a lot of people are like, I don't like that I do this, but I'm so tired and I'm so, um, I, I just don't know how to stop. And a lot of the times, again, it's not this like one big magic pivotal moment in our lives. It is the compound interest of all those little teeny tiny things. Now, don't get me wrong. I do think that there is a decision to start bettering yourself. I do think that there is a decision of like, no more, I'm done laying dead and pretending like life is just gonna get at me. I am ready to step into the driver's seat and get into control. That decision is a massive pivot. But all the things that happen after that are the compound interest. So I loved that quote. He actually even uses an example and he did all the math for this. So we don't have to. Thank you, James. He said, if you leave Los Angeles airport in an airplane and you're wanting to go to New York, but if you at takeoff make 3.2 degrees turn to the right, you will end up in Washington, D.C., not New York City. That's about 300 and something miles. I can't remember the exact number, but it's about 300 miles away by the end. So a lot of the times we feel like, oh, if I just do this once, oh, you know, the next day, maybe I'll do it again. It's just two days by the third day. Oh, this was really nice. You know, I really want to do this. And the next thing we know, it's a habit that we're not exactly thrilled about. It might seem small, 
but it's that 3.2 degree turn. Now, I'm not saying you have to be completely productive with all of your habits all the time. No, I think that there's habits that are really relaxing and really good for getting you in the present moment and that are really effective for helping you and your mental health as a human being. And then there are habits that are really hindering that. I mean, scrolling through social media and comparing yourself to others is a perfect example. I have yet to meet a single person on this planet who enjoys doing that, who looks at that habit and says, yep, that is a fantastic use of my time. Now, I have yet to hear that ever. If someone does, it's because they use it for inspiration. They say, "I, you know what? I scroll and I look at all the things that people are doing and I feel so inspired. That's a totally different story. And if that's a habit of yours, fucking fantastic. That's great. I'm gonna talk to the people who are more less of a unicorn here and a little bit more in the, I scroll through social media and I see a bunch of people living a life that I want to be living. And then I beat myself up for not living that life already. That is a habit of yours, my friend. That is a habit because we are so afraid of being quiet. We are so afraid of being alone with our thoughts. So we are programmed like little freaking monkeys to grab our phone and to fill the noise with Reels, TikTok, social media, um, uh, games, uh, email. I mean, there's so many different things to fill that void. And a lot of the times that's something that does not serve us. I'm so getting ahead of myself. Another quote I loved, and it's very similar to the previous one. Success is the product of daily habits, not once in a lifetime transformations. Success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. I agree with an asterisk. I agree that success is compound habits. No one, actually, I'll go and tell you the next, the next quote because it totally fills into this one. When you finally have a breakthrough, the world will call it an overnight success, even though it was a multitude of compound interests or compound habits. We so often think that success is this like one big break and they did nothing up until then. They just popped out of the ground and they said, here I am. That's such BS. There's a great quote. It's not in Atomic Habits. It's a totally different one. But it says, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. There is so often that the news or articles or even just us as society will be like, oh my God, what an overnight success. They're amazing. And so many of us hear that and we're like, wow, overnight success means that they just they just got it. So that means I should just get it. And then when we try out these habits or these big, big, big goals and we don't get it in like a week, we get discouraged because we're like, well, I'm not an overnight success yet. That's why I love these two quotes because it is so much a product of what you do daily. Not these big, ooh, popped out of the ground, I'm an overnight success, wee! Now, as I stated earlier, I do think that there's a decision to make a change in your life, to change your habits, to build good habits, to get rid of the quote-unquote bad ones. I don't really know if I believe good and bad habit, and James actually talks about that in the book. He says that there's not good and bad, there's just effective and ineffective to who you want to be. And I love that framework. Very, very good. But for the very binary and easy and digestible way of us framing this, I am going to call them good and bad habits, just so we have that same lingo here. When 
I think about the moments in my life that have led me to where I am today, the big moments of big transitions come up. Deciding to get coaching from my dad because I was literally being threatened to be kicked out of my college program. Using that life coaching, though, that I got, that was daily habits. I did that work daily, obsessively, (laughs) obsessively, because I had, in my mind, I had no other choice other than to give up on my dream. But the decision to give him a call and ask for help was an instant. Now, again, the success of finally graduating from that program, cum laude, might I add, hair toss, um, the success of actually graduating from that program was the daily habits. It was not that big transformation and then done, I graduated. It was the big transformation and then the little teeny tiny steps that followed it. I think that's a really important part that not a lot of people talk about because it's not sexy. People love the big, sexy, big transformations. Ooh, this happened and then this happened, but then we skip over four years of you doing the same thing of trial and erroring, of figuring out how to do things better and more effectively. And we skip over that part. And it's always there, but we never talk about it. Therefore, we are conditioned to believe these big transformations equal success. It doesn't. It equals the launching point for what success could be, but it is not success. Success comes from those daily, daily, daily habits. I'm getting fired up. So let's talk about the first section of the book, which is the habit loop. So in The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg, he talks about three different types of the conditioning for a habit. Basically, I like to look at it almost like a recycle sign. There's the trigger, there's the action, and the reward. The trigger goes off to do something, the action is to do the habit, the reward is the reward you get from the habit. Good, bad habit, effective, ineffective habit, does not matter. You do get a reward somehow. However, James takes it a step further, which I actually really, really like. He says there's the cue, which is like the trigger. There's the cue that says, oh, it's time to start something. There's a craving. This is where dopamine goes off and actually a few other brain chemicals. I'm just going to simplify it to dopamine right now. This is where dopamine hits because we're like, ooh, I'm anticipating something. Ooh, I'm anticipating something that's going to make me feel really, really good, whether it's quote unquote good or bad. Then there's the response, aka the action. And then there's a reward. We get rewarded for the thing that we were craving. So... Let's do an easy example. (laughs) This is a good one. So I'm about to sound like the most basic bitch you've ever heard in your life, and I don't care. I love it. Um, I, every single week, go grocery shopping at two places and two places alone, and one of them is Whole Foods. I love Whole Foods. One of the things that my fiance and I decided a long time ago when we really decided to get healthy, when we decided to really prioritize our health, our vitality, our longevity, uh, the food, the fuel we put into our bodies, when we decided to do that, we're like, okay, we want to shop for foods that are really clean, that are really whole, (laughs) haha, whole foods, get it, Um, that are not very processed, that we know where or a region of where they came from. So we decided that, okay, an investment that we want to make every month is in groceries. 
And it's, it's a hefty investment, let me tell you. But for me, that is investing in my long-term vitality. And it's a choice I very consciously make every month. But a while ago, not long after we moved to Colorado, every time we shopped at Whole Foods, we would do our loop through the store. You know how everyone has a loop through the store. And if you go not the loop, it's like, where is the potato chips? I don't know. Um, Lol, after just telling you I eat healthy, I'm not perfect. So we go to Whole Foods, we go through our little loop, and it always ends at the drink section. Not like the alcohol section, because it's actually illegal to sell most alcohols in grocery stores in Colorado. That's a story for another podcast. But um, it's like the teas, the coffees, the sparkling waters, the kombucha, all that kind of stuff. And so we always end right there. And around our first time going to Whole Foods, we were like, you know what? Ew, a drink sounds lovely. It sounds so refreshing. It's summer. We ran this morning. I'd love some electrolytes or whatever. And we picked them up and we went on our merry way. Next time we went to Whole Foods. Oh, here's the drink section. You know what? A matcha tea sounds so good. I told you guys I'm super basic. Deal with it. And picked it up, went to check out. Third time, fourth time, fifth time, sixth time, so on and so forth. Now we're in the hundredth time. And anytime I go to Whole Foods, I instantly am like, oh, time to get a drink. And I realized, I was like, do I need one right now? I have so much sparkling water, so much tea or so much coffee at home. Is this an absolutely, I'm not going to say necessary, but is this something that would really make me happy right now? And if the answer is uh, not really, I was like, okay. It's time to break this habit. But the cue is ending our Whole Foods route at the drink section. The second we turn that last corner, the cue goes off. The craving, something nice and refreshing, something caffeinated, something that will refuel my body because maybe I did a hard workout that day or something that'll wake me up for later on. Maybe we're going to see friends and we're staying up past our bedtime of 8 p.m. So I need a little extra caffeine. My brain starts to think of all these reasons why I might want it, crave it. The response, pick out a drink you like. The reward, get caffeinated, get the refreshing taste, get the electrolytes and feel like, ooh, special. It's a little treat, right? Now, I was starting to think as I was reading this book, I was like, you know what? Like, maybe I can change how I approach this because I don't want it to be every time I go because I don't need one or really truly want one every time we go. So now every time we turn the corner, I've conditioned this a few times now, and it's actually working really, really well. Anytime we turn the corner, because here's a really important note, y'all, the cue is so ingrained in your brain, it does not go away. I'm sorry, it doesn't. It stays there. It will always go off. But you get to change everything else. So I very consciously have been changing it to asking myself a question. Is this something that would make me happy today? And if it is, then hell yeah, I get myself a little treat. And if not, I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. But I get to choose that again next time. And it makes me feel like I'm back in control. And it feels really fucking good. Let's use a different example. Procrastinating. Yes, it is a habit. The cue goes off. 
Maybe there's something you need to do. Or maybe it's an, here's a really common example. You open your email box and you see that email. That email you know you should respond to, but you don't really know what to say or you don't really know what they say, said back to you, or it just kind of gets like a little scary. So the cue goes off, you see the email and it's like, ooh, fear. The craving to avoid that fear, to avoid that overwhelm, to avoid accepting or embracing the unknown response, close out email, do something else, reward, you don't have to live, be in fear in that moment. You get to be distracting yourself. You get to be changing your focus. Do you see how this works? It's really important to know this habit loop. We're not going to do anything with it quite yet, but it's really important to know this habit loop because if we're not consciously aware of our habits, they are ruling us. Good, bad, effective, ineffective, does not matter. They are ruling us if we are not consciously aware of what we're doing, which explains why James then goes into something called the habit scorecard. And actually, it's really cool. He has this template online. I swear I'm not like sponsored by James. I just really like his book and his um, the stuff he puts into the world. If you go to jamesclear.com forward slash atomic habits forward slash resources, you can find all the resources to the atomic habits cheat sheets to the habit scorecard that we're going to talk about in a second and so on and so forth. So the habit scorecard is what he talks about right after the habit loop. The habit scorecard is literally something for you to just write down every single habit you have on the daily. Wake up, turn off alarm, wake up, or excuse me, get up, check phone, um, take shower, go on a run, Maybe not in that order. You know what I mean. Habits that you have every single day. Procrastinate on that email, maybe. And next to each of those habits, you write down if it's a positive habit, meaning it's something that you feel like it's effective, you feel really good about it. For me, going on a run feels like a positive habit. For me, waking up at 5.30 feels like a positive habit. For me, turning off my alarm, it's a pretty neutral habit, which brings me to my next one. Positive, neutral meaning it's just kind of there, or negative. Checking social media first thing in the morning, probably a negative habit, depending on who you are. There's those unicorns out there. So going through every single habit that you have during the day and writing down positive, negative, or neutral. Doing nothing with it quite yet, but just becoming aware of what your habits are. So for me, let's do, let's do my bedtime routine. That's a fun one. I'm so lame. It's like 8.30 is when I go to bed. Um, but, you know, it, it. the clock turns 8, so I go clean up the kitchen. I'd say that's a neutral habit. I make the coffee. That is a positive habit for me because it's setting myself up so I don't have to make it the next morning. Brush my teeth. Probably a positive, maybe neutral habit. Flossing. For me, that feels like a negative habit because I fucking hate doing it, but positive habit so I don't go back to the dentist and have to get a root canal. Wee. Um, what's next? Uh, play a brain stimulating game on my phone. Positive habit. Um, answer a question that my fiance and I, we have an app. It's called Paired. You um, answer a question about your relationship every single night and it's just a fun little conversation starter. So we answer that. Positive habit. 
um, take my melatonin, neutral habit, go to bed early, positive habit. So do you see how this works? It's really minute. And you're like, oh my God, I have to list out fucking everything that's going to take forever. That's kind of the point. This stuff does take a lot of really conscious work, guys, but it is so important in the long term. So that's the habit scorecard. Now I'm getting into my very favorite part of this book, the four laws of habit creation. James talks about how there's four laws, shocking, of creating any habit, making it obvious, making it attractive, making it easy, and making it satisfying. Let's go through them real quick at lightning speed. So making it obvious. He talks about this in three different ways you can use this. Making it obvious is basically putting it in front of your face. If you are like, um, you know what, I really want to start, this is a great example, I want to start doing my paint by numbers kit every single night. That's me. Um, If I want to start doing my paint by numbers kit every single night, a good way for me to make this habit obvious is to put it out on the coffee table in the living room or to put it um, in a really obvious place, the dining table, something where I'm going to see it and say, oh, that's right, I'm doing that tonight. If I want to make it invisible, I put it in the closet and then I forget about it out of sight, out of mind, right? We'll get to that in a moment. But James talks about doing this in three different ways. One, implementation intentions. I love this way because actually we talk about it a lot in Goal Smasher. It's basically saying, I will blank new habit at time in location. So I will do 20 push-ups before I leave for lunch in my office. That is a habit implementation. It is making it very clear when you do this. If you just say, I want to start doing more push-ups, your brain's going to be like, okay, it's going to go straight to the back of your head and you're not going to remember it. If you instead say, I'm going to do this here at this time in this location, you're going to be so much more likely to follow through. There's actually a lot of studies that show that when people write down when they're going to work out, where, what time, they are so much more likely to follow through on working out than if they just said, I'm going to work out more. This one is really important. A lot of this stuff feels really elementary, y'all, but our brain is not a fucking rocket machine. It is really simple. It's a kindergartner in math class. And the more we treat it like that kindergarten in math class, the more we're actually able to use our brain's vast knowledge and vast resources to our advantage rather than letting it use us. So that's the habit habit implementation. I highly, excuse me, implementation intention. There we go. I highly recommend using it if you're wanting to start working on a website for a business or if you're wanting to start using it for exercise or drinking water. I mean, really small habits. It does not need to be anything crazy. But it makes it obvious because your brain says, oh, it's obvious when I'm going to do this. Next up is habit stacking. You've probably heard of this one. It's basically stacking a current habit with a new habit. So when I brush my teeth at night, I'm going to say 10 things nice to myself in the mirror. It's that's a weird one, but I have a lot of my clients do that. I'm not going to lie. 
But I like to do that and I like to make it even more obvious, take it even a step further with a sticky note that says, after I brush my teeth, I will say 10 nice things to myself in the mirror. It's really making it as clear as day so your brain gets activated so you can make that new decision to make this new habit. Next up is designing your environment to make the cue of the habit way obvious and visible. Um, An easy way I do this, honestly, is every night before I go to bed, I forgot this on my nightly habits, I grab a set of clothes for workout the next morning and I put them in the bathroom. That way, every single morning I am ready. My environment is designed to make that cue obvious to put on my exercise clothes so that I can work out later and make it really visible. It makes it very, very easy for me to follow through. Hope this is making sense. So ask yourself, is there a new habit you're wanting to create that I can make more obvious? I can make more obvious. I can make more um, visible is obviously is a really good way of putting this. Like think about that paint by numbers example. Number two, second law, make it attractive. Ooh, ah, temptation bundling is a really easy way of doing this. And James talks about this in the book before I get lose you. Temptation bundling is literally pairing a habit you want to do with a habit you love to do. So, um, he uses a perfect example in the book. Um, there is an engineer, I love this. There is an engineer who was like, you know what? I really want to be working out more than I am, but he loved watching Netflix. So he literally took his exercise bike, hooked it up to Netflix, did a bunch of engineer shit that I just get so over my head. And made it so that unless he's pedaling at a certain speed, Netflix will turn off. But he can watch Netflix as long as he is pedaling at a certain speed or above, Netflix will stay on. That way he paired, he temptation bundled something he loves to do, watching Netflix, with something he knew he wanted to do, exercise more. I love this idea. I think it is brilliant. I used to um, only watch... Oh my God, what show is it? Some show. I used to only watch one of my favorite TV shows at the time that I'm totally forgetting. You're welcome. Um, at the gym. If I was walking on the treadmill at an incline, I would be able to watch whatever show I was wanting to watch. It it makes it really easy and it makes you actually start to eventually crave this habit because you know you get to do something you love to do while doing it. One of my favorite podcasters, Elizabeth Kraft of the Happier in Hollywood and Happier with Gretchen Rubin podcast, she um, she only watches Desperate Housewives when she's walking on the treadmill. And I think that's freaking brilliant because that's one of her favorite shows of all time. Like you, I've been horrified by what we are witnessing happen in Ukraine. And also like you, I've been racking my brain on how I can assist not only through my personal life, but in my business too. That's why I've decided that for the rest of March, 50% of all Goal Smasher proceeds will go directly to the Care Ukraine Crisis Fund. In case you missed it, Goal Smasher is my self-paced course that helps you go through my step-by-step goal-setting technique specifically made for the perfectionist mindset. We'll clarify your goals, create an overwhelm and action-packed plan, and plus you'll learn how to create consistent motivation so you're not burning out halfway through and you can actually see your goal through to the very end. 
Plus, this is a lifetime access course, so you can use it not only on your current goals, but all your future goals as well. To learn more about why we chose the Care Ukraine Crisis Fund and to learn more about the course Goal Smasher, click the link in the show notes or go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher. Now back to the episode. Next up on making it attractive, part two is joining a culture where it is a desired behavior, where that new habit you're wanting to create is a normal desired behavior. It's kind of the standard, right? So um, here's a interesting example. I grew up in a town obsessed, I'll, I'll say obsessed because it truly is, with health and wellness. And I have a lot of personal feelings about it. It was not necessarily in a healthy way, in my opinion. It was not exactly put on children in a very healthy way, but I digress. Um, But it is a very standard way of living here to be very fit and active. However, I then moved to Oklahoma. Just let that sink in for a second. It was a very different environment. The South was a very different style of health culture, right? And so when I was in Colorado, I worked out often, sometimes almost to a fault. And then I moved to Oklahoma and it was so polar opposite that I can honestly probably count on two hands the amount of times that I worked out my entire time living there. But it was because it wasn't part of the cultural norm. Here's the deal. We are a species that craves to be one with the pack. We do not enjoy being ostracized because if we are, we literally have it in our brains that we will get cast out and in the, you know, I almost said the dark ages, lol, in the cave ages, if we got cast out of the tribe of the cave, we were left for death, right? We left for dead. So we still have that basic human programming of needing to be one with the pack, What's that great Game of Thrones quote? Um, the lone wolf sur- the lone wolf dies, but the pack survives. There we go. Whew, got there. Um, so whenever I hear a client of mine say like, God, I'm just, I'm really struggling getting this new habit. I'm really struggling getting this new habit. A lot of the times it's because the people in their environment do not view it as a standard. Now, I'm not saying you need to ditch all your friends and go make new ones, but you do become the five people you hang out with most. So I am very intentional about those five people. I'll be so straight with you all. There were, when I first heard that quote and really let it sink in, there were some people in my life that I needed to let go of. Not maliciously, not horribly. One bridge was a little burned, but that's a different story. But I let them go. And I was like, I'm making space for people who are living the quality of life I want to be living at. It was nothing against them. It wasn't saying they were doing bad. I am doing right. I'm on my high horse. It was just saying, I want to live a different style of life. And I know that if I'm still around these types of people, I will not be able to do that. Here's a perfect example. When I was wanting to leave the party scene, which for a lot of you probably don't know, I was well immersed in the Chicago party scene for a very long time. A very long time, a few years. Um, very much part of the drinking till 4 a.m., waking up, not remembering how you got home. Um, just a, a quality of life that, to be honest, I look back on and shudder. I shudder about it. But I knew 
as I was starting to get into personal development more and more and more, and as I was like, you know what, I really want to start my own business doing this. I really enjoy this work. I knew that that was not a habit. That was not a community that I enjoyed being a part of, to be honest. And so I finally was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to change my community. I need to really shake things up, if you will. So I left the party scene and I started listening to podcasts about starting your own business obsessively. So much so that the five people I hung out with most, three of them did not know I existed. So, but I I honestly guarantee you that is why I started running. That is why I built my business so quickly. That is why I am where I am today because I decided to stop living a life that, to be honest for me, was not bringing me joy. And I decided to live a life that made me feel so much more alive and listen to people who were already living it. So I don't think that joining a culture means you have to physically be in the same room as people, but I do think that it means opening your ears, letting in the energy of people who are living the life that you want to be living, including the habits you want to be living. A great example, if you're wanting to be a runner, listen to a running podcast. You will immediately be like, this is the standard running ultra marathons or whatever. And it becomes a lot more fun. It becomes a lot more easy. And I hate to even throw it this way. We become a lot less dramatic about it. It just becomes part of it. It becomes like the lost states, it becomes attractive. So that's the joining the culture one that honestly, I think it's really, really, really important for us to wrap our minds around. Number three, making it easy. I think this is really in tandem with making it obvious. Reducing the friction with from where you are to where you your habit is, basically. If it is like five steps to get between you and your new habit, then it's going to be a lot more difficult to follow through on it. Uh, Perfectionists, I'm going to really call you out on this one. Because a lot of the times we make our habits so big, so daunting, so quote-unquote perfect, that high standard of perfection, that it's too difficult. It's too difficult to start or do sustainably. So for example, I was talking to someone, it was about a year ago, but they were saying, I want to have the habit of starting to run for 45 minutes every single day. And I said, okay, do you run right now? They said, no. And I said, okay, I strongly recommend starting smaller because that is really heavy, really daunting, and really hard on your body, to be honest. They didn't like that answer. I'll just go ahead and tell you. But they did not continue that habit longer than I think it was a week and a half because it was not sustainable. If your habit is too difficult, it will feel like a challenge and it will not feel easy and it will not be sustainable. So instead, thinking about it as, okay, in the morning, I'm going to put on my running shoes and run for 15 minutes. That's very different, right? And I always, I include that part of putting on your running shoes for a reason. This is actually an example in the book, putting on your running shoes for a reason, because if you say, okay, I'm just going to go out and start running. There's a few steps that need to happen before you do that. You might need to put on some running clothes, maybe grab your headphones, maybe put on your running shoes, right? But if you say, I'm just going to put on my running shoes, then of course you're going to go on a run, right? It's just a little bit 
easier to wrap your mind around sitting down and putting on your running shoes rather than going out and running for 15 minutes. I hope this is making sense because this is a really big one that I see perfectionists go against so often because their need to achieve and quote unquote be the best is way too powerful that they make it so goddamn difficult and then it's unsustainable. So you have to reduce the number of steps between you and the habit you want to create. A really good way of doing this is priming your environment. Yes, environment is huge for habit building. It's why it's literally described in three of these four steps or three of these four laws. Priming your environment means, for the running example, putting your shoes at the foot of the bed. Making your environment so easy so you don't have to do those extra steps. Just like putting out my clothes was making it obvious for me to go to the gym in the morning, it was also making it easy. I didn't have to go through and pick out my outfit, which I'm not going to lie. The amount of extra steps for me to pick out my outfit in the morning made me sleep in. I kid you not. The fact that I knew if I got up, I'd have to go to the dresser and pick out an outfit made me want to sleep in more. But when I started putting my clothes out in the morning, it was so much easier to get up. It was so simple, but it's so important. Another one is doing the two-minute rule, which is downscaling your habits to two minutes. So again, earlier, like we were talking about, rather than saying, okay, I'm going to go on a run for 15 minutes, I'm going to sit down and put on my running shoes. That's this two-minute rule. Making your habit the first step of your habit two minutes or less. And then, of course, you're going to follow through with the rest of them. So one that I do in my business is every morning, every morning, I outreach to a podcast that I want to be interviewed on. And that normally takes about, you know, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, depending on the podcast, because I like to do my research. And I started getting overwhelmed by those 15 to 30 minutes. So eventually I started saying, okay, like, what's the first step to this? Okay, it's opening up the iTunes app. Great, I can do that. So that's literally the habit, opening up the iTunes app. Because I know the second I do that, I'm going to start doing my research for outreaching to podcasts. It's just automatic now. But it wasn't that way because it was so overwhelming when it was like, okay, those 15 to 30 minutes. I hope this is making sense. Again, this is very, very important. Next up, last fourth lie. I promise we're, we're hitting the home run stretch, friends. So law number four and final is making it satisfying. Shocking. I know it is to hear. But if your habit isn't satisfying, you don't want to do it. <laughs> so for example, we live in a society, again, environment, hooray, we live in a society that tends to overall, not everyone, but an overall society that tends to say, oh, working out is so painful and annoying and I don't want to do it and it sucks. If we hear this and that's what the pack says, working out is not going to be satisfying. It's going to be painful. So of course, it's fucking hard to do. So the important thing with making it satisfying is literally reframing so you make it fucking satisfying. Rather than saying, working out is so painful and hard and I don't want to do it. Meh, it's good for my mental stupid health. 
yeah, if you say that, it's going to suck. But if instead you say, you know what? Working out makes me feel stronger. I feel more energized throughout the day. I know I'm going to live longer if I do it. I feel like I can really enjoy and give myself little goals and make progress with it. Wow, it's actually really fun. It's a lot more satisfying to do that goal. Now, it's not just with building workout habits. A lot of people are so afraid to do the big, scary habits in their business, like making sales calls or doing outreach or um, pitching themselves to potential clients. But that's a lot of how you get money. And you make money in your business. And by the way, when you make money in your business, that means you are changing people's lives for the better. Full stop. For the most part. There's obviously some exceptions out there. I'm talking about the normal people, good-hearted business people. So just to cover my bases. So if you are not, if you have attached so much pain and fear to making sales calls, Yeah, it's going to be really fucking scary to do it. You're not going to build the habit of doing it. But if instead you say, okay, you know what? If I do these sales calls, if I do this outreach, I am going to be able to live the life I want to be living. I'm going to be able to live the business, maybe the financial freedom. Maybe I'll be able to, you know, affect more people's lives, change more people's lives for the better. I'll be able to get my face in front of more publications. I'll be able to get my message out there more. I'll be able to get my product out there more, which will probably lead to more financial freedom and me being able to grow the business, maybe sell it. When you attach all the amazing what ifs, why you're fucking doing this in the first place to the, to the habit, it is going to be so much more satisfying to do. Period. Full stop. This one is a total mindset reframe and it is one of the most important things with habits. I know I'm saying that about 50 million times in this episode, but it really is. A lot of these are so, so, so important. But for this mindset reframe, a lot of us feel like habits are so painful because they're scary or habits are so painful because society tells us it's But if it's something you know you want to do, if you feel like you're not living up to your full potential and this habit keeps eating at you knowing you want to do it and you'll feel better about yourself, you'll feel like you're making more progress, like you're living more into who you truly want to be when you do this habit, it's time to make it fucking satisfying. One example James Clear talks about on how to make it satisfying is something called the Goldilocks rule. And the Goldilocks rule is not making a habit too difficult, not making it too easy. I know this kind of goes against what we just talked about a second ago, but making it just right, aka making it just outside of your current manageable of difficulty. If you go to the gym every single day and you pick up a two pound weight and you just do bicep curls with it, you're going to get fucking bored. It's going to become unsatisfying because you're bored. But if you slowly work your way up and it's like, like, oh, just beyond my difficulty and you like do that last bicep curl and you're like, whoa, that felt amazing. I was like progress. It felt so good. You're not going to get bored in your habits. 
So it's kind of like making them like new levels, like giving your, like a fucking video game. Well, kind of honestly, giving yourself almost like a game element to your habits and allowing them to be just a little bit past your level of difficulty. We tend to live at our peak motivation. This is a broad study, but we tend to live at our peak motivation when it's just outside of our level of difficulty. Now, perfectionists, you go way too fucking far with the level of difficulty. So for you, honestly, dim it down, way down, way down. (laughs) What you think is easy, that is just outside your level of difficulty. And a lot of people get frustrated with this because they feel like I'm slowing them down. But to be honest, You weren't moving forward in the way that you want to be when you're sprinting a thousand miles a minute trying to reach level 50,000 when you're at level five. Instead, if you say, okay, I'm going to go to level six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, if you chunk it down into those teeny tinier steps that are just outside your level of difficulty, that way you up level and up level and up level and up level and meet new challenges with each and every single level that you get to overcome, it fucking is awesome. It's addicting. It's great. That whole push yourself to level 5,000 and then beat yourself up that you're not at level 5,000 when you're still at level five. Yeah, that shit is not sustainable. It don't work. It's not how motivation works either. So I love this Goldilocks rule. I think it's a really cool thing to keep in our minds. Last thing on making it satisfying is never missing twice. I really like this rule that he has for his habits. And that is we're fucking human. We are going to miss our habits once. Life is going to come up and say, ooh, you cannot work out today. No, no. Um, Maybe a big meeting came up or maybe you got an injury or maybe whatever. But he always says, he's like, I never miss twice. I'm going to put a little asterisk next to this and say, unless you're freaking injured or sick. (laughs) Because I think it's really important to not say, okay, I missed once. (laughs) Oh my God, I needed to go on my run today because I missed once yesterday, but I promised myself I'll never, don't be an idiot. Like take care of your body and your health and yourself. This is more if like you fall off the wagon for whatever reason and you say, okay, nope, never mind. getting back on track tomorrow. We all have those moments where excuses come up or a friend is like, hey, do you want to grab coffee? And that little like, you can do this project tomorrow comes up and you say, yeah. So you go, you skip the day. You go to the thing. You're human. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to be imperfect. But just that never miss twice is really, really cool. Okay. Last section of the book I want to talk about today is how to change habits, how to break quote unquote bad habits or ineffective habits. We just talked about how to add new habits into our life. So probably a lot of you all were thinking, okay, this is great. But um, I have a lot of bad habits that I want to fucking break in order to make space for these new habits. Nicole, how do I do that? Or James, I guess, how do I do that? It's literally the inverse of the four laws from 25 minutes ago. Inversion number one, make it invisible. Version number two, make it unattractive. Number three, make it difficult. Number four, making it unsatisfying. So number one, making it invisible. He used the example of if maybe you're wanting to stop a habit of playing video games. After every time you play the video game, unplug it and put the console in the closet. If it is out of sight, it's most likely going to be more out of mind. 
Plus, it kind of also ties into that making it difficult because then anytime you want to play it, you have to go to the closet, plug it in, turn it on, get situated, probably put the new game in because you forgot to put it in a second ago. It makes a lot more steps. It increases the friction between you and the habit. It's really not like rocket science, but this blew my fucking mind because I thought it was so brilliant. Making it invisible is really, really, really cool. So I do this a lot with social media. If I notice I'm kind of picking up my habit about checking it, I'll move the app to a totally different spot in my phone. Therefore, when I go to open it, it's not there. Now, of course, do I know where it is? Yes, but that extra step, again, making it difficult to get to it, normally at least activates my conscious mind enough to say, do you really need to be on this right now? And I say, no, and I make a different choice. Number two, making it unattractive. Reframe, 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 reframe. Clear uses the example of smoking in this one. A lot of the times people who start smoking do it because of social pressure, social environment. Their friends started, therefore they did. So a lot of people who will try to stop smoking make it unattractive. They say, wow, you really don't want a cigarette because you know that if you smoke it, you're going to die. You're probably going to get cancer. It's going to shorten your life. It actually doesn't make you feel better because then you get anxious knowing that you need to stop smoking and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. I hope this is making sense. That's like That one I think is really cool because it's totally just a reframe of making something that you currently do heinous in your life. If you do not want to, what's a, if you don't want to go on social media anymore, if you're saying, wow, I'm really annoyed with the amount of time I spend on social media, get really clear on how it fucking hurts your life. Get really clear on how it makes you feel miserable. Get really clear on why it makes you so angry and so mad at yourself and why it is not in alignment with the person you want to be. If you highlight the the yeah benefits of avoiding this thing, if you say, well, if I don't do this, then instead I get to you know spend time meditating or do yoga or watch that documentary I've been wanting to watch on that topic I really like. It, it opens up so much more possibilities when we make the habits that we currently have that we don't love unattractive. Then last but not least, or excuse me, we'll make it difficult. We kind of talked about that with increasing the friction, making it more difficult for you to do the habit that you don't want to do. Moving the social media app. Um, put, oh, I did this one with my client. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. Oh, that was such an evil laugh. Um, this is actually kind of a mix of all four now that I think about it. She was really over drinking a bunch of Diet Coke. She was like, I'm fucking done. I'm really annoyed that this is something I drink every single day. I know I it does not help me and my health, but I can't stop. And I said, go to your kitchen. And she took out the cans of Coke and put it in her hot southern garage. Has anyone ever tried to drink a hot Diet Coke before? It tastes like butt. It's disgusting. (laughs) So we first of all made it invisible. It went into her garage, therefore it was out of her pantry and out of sight. Made it unattractive. We framed why it is 
hurting her health short time and long term so that she is not fueling her body with things that she knows she should be like water and stuff like that. We made it difficult because in order for her to get one, she now has to put it in the fridge and make it cold or pour it over ice, which she always seemed to not have because the ice cube trays were always empty. Then she had to fill up the ice cube tray. We just added so many steps in order for her to get to it. And then we made it unsatisfying. No one wants to drink a freaking hot Southern Garage Coca-Cola. So get creative. You don't have to use just one of these. You can use all four like this example. So before I keep going for the rest of eternity on this book, because I think it's so freaking good, I want to talk about overall the things that I am taking away and putting into my own life and the life of my clients going forward. I love the Goldilocks rule. I knew it subconsciously, but to be honest, putting a name to it always makes it easier and makes it more digestible for people to learn about. So the Goldilocks rule is definitely something I'm moving forward with. The four laws, obviously, those are things that I adore and it really puts a framework around how to build and annihilate habits. And then of course, the compound interest, not making this something you do every once in a while, but instead making it a daily, daily, daily practice that you get to enjoy. Alrighty, I'm going to close up the loop of the Atomic Habits talk because mostly I feel like I've ran a marathon. I've been so hyphy on this book. I love it. I highly recommend you all reading it. It is something that you can do via audiobook, via book book, go to your library, rent it, or rent the audiobook on there. It's amazing what you can do on libraries now. A lot of people even have Linda, which is like an online library. There is so much goodness in this book that I truly would love for you all to read it. Um, I think it's just really, really powerful. So it does not need to cost you a freaking cent. You can go to your library, go online, go to Scribd or YouTube, see if it's on there. There's so many different ways. I personally did the audiobook and I loved it. It was great. It was really easy to listen to while doing things like getting ready in the morning. So to really quickly wrap up doing our quick, quick segments. Number one, how was I imperfect this week? I always journal in the morning, but it's typically like three to five pages or two, sometimes one page, depending on the day. But I was reading a book and they had these journal prompts in it and I just started flying. And I'll go ahead and tell you, the journal prompts weren't pretty. They were not like, what's your dream life in five years? They were like, what are you most ashamed of about yourself? And I wrote for like 35 pages. Uh, There were other questions. But I was like, wow, I do not think I realized how much I was trapping some of this stuff in. And some of it was like, whoa, I have not seen you in a long time or have not seen you ever. And recently I've made a major up level in my life, in my energy, in my daily practices, in how I'm spending my time and who I'm spending my time with. And to be honest, I think that this was the time that it needed to come out and it was really cool and it was so messy. My handwriting sucked. You can barely read half the words. I had like a pile of tissues because I couldn't stop just like release crying. It felt amazing. But I'm bringing this up as a how I was imperfect because I've seen this so much with perfectionists, especially the high achiever perfectionists. We don't let ourselves feel emotions very often. We're not very good at it. And 
the most happy, most breakthrough moments of my life have been when I really sat down and lived with emotions, given myself the opportunity to name them, to describe them, to be vulnerable, to be raw, to be messy. And I gave myself like two hours to do that this morning, just on a whim, totally went against my schedule and don't regret it. And I don't feel guilty about it. I feel great about it actually. And I want to bring this up because there's going to be times in your life where you feel like you're burying something down. Maybe it's right now. Maybe it'll be in five years. Maybe it was 10 years ago. But those moments need to be given a voice because sometimes if they're not, they eat away at you. And they make you feel like in order for you to feel worthy, in order for you to feel like you're enough, you just have to do, 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 and shut down the emotion, shut down the emotion. Don't listen to it. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. Because we've given so much demon, demonizing language to being sad. And I don't think there's anything wrong with being sad. Now, personally... I want to live a very happy life, but I know that I can't do that by shoving away all the things that I'm sad or ashamed about. I know that that's from looking at those things and saying, that's part of my life. I love her. I accept her. I forgive her. And look at the person she's becoming. And this morning, I got a really cool chance to do that on a deeper level. I've done that a lot. It's hard not to do in the personal development field. Let me be real. But This morning, it was a really cool opportunity to just do it by myself with no guidance other than the journal prompts um, and really just give myself that that opportunity. And I was scared to tell people on the podcast because I was like, well, oh my gosh, like feeling ashamed about something like I'm a life coach. I can't feel ashamed. And it's like, bitch, (laughs) that's not true. We live in a world where even the most incredible, most successful people still have bad days. And I wish the most incredible, successful people, the high influencers on the social media apps, I wish they talked about them. Because there's so much inclusivity, so much room for being a part of something bigger when we're open and honest about it. So this is me being open and honest about it. It was a rough morning. My eyes are puffy. My eyes are swollen like the daylights. And I have definitely a podcast interview later on today. And I'm a little like, oh, fuck. I have a little like, Brett calls it my like wrestling mask. Um, I have a little wrestling mask that you put in the freezer that is just cold because it's in the freezer. Good job, Nicole. And and I put it on my face and it makes my eyes puffiness go down whenever um, I have a little a fit of emotion because I'm a human being. And it has been one of the best purchases of my entire life because it's so, first of all, it immediately makes the experience less heavy because you look at yourself in your mirror, in the mirror and I'm like, I look like fucking Jack Black from Nacho Libre. <laughs> like it's not a cute look, but I love it. Um, because it, it, it's just another reason why I'm imperfect and another reason why we're just all human beings. Anyway, last but not least, a goal to celebrate. I am really excited. I've talked about this during my habits is that habit of outreach. And I realized thanks to the amazing Kate House, the host of the Live by Design podcast, which I was on just recently. Episode should be coming out in like June, I think she was saying. But Kate was saying to me, she's like, wow, I'm really impressed with you and how you 
like just reached out to me. That was really brave and really beautiful. And it didn't dawn on me how much I've like killed that fear of just reaching out and offering things to people, reaching out and offering to be on someone's podcast or saying, hey, I want to give a masterclass to this school. And it just, it really dawned on me how much that, that fear of reaching out has just totally been annihilated from my life and in a very short period of time because I got so used to the habit of it. So goal to celebrate, woohoo, we crushed a fear. Does not mean it's never going to come back because we are human, but it's a really cool moment to say like, wow, look how far I've come. That was really fun. All right, you guys, I've been talking for so long. Please, if you have a moment, share this episode or any episode of the podcast with a friend and little fun special extra this episode. If you take a screenshot of this episode or any episode being shared with a friend, send it to me on Instagram. I will give you a special little gift in return and I'll send it to you through the app. So I am at Life Coach Baker on Instagram. Again, take a screenshot of this episode or any episode, send it to a friend, take a screenshot of you having sent it to a friend. You can block out the name or the numbers. I don't care. And then send it to me on Instagram at Life Coach Baker, and I'll send you a little gift in return as a thank you because you guys are awesome. As always, the biggest shout out to our editor and producer, Ariel Villafane. You are my heart and soul, my sun and stars. Thank you for being such an important part of the show. We literally quite literally could not do this without you. And as always, you guys don't forget to rate and review the podcast or any podcast you listen to. It is the biggest hug and gift you can give to your podcasting friends. You all, I love you. I hope you have an amazing day. Go crush those habits and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Coach Baker podcast. Don't forget to check out Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation consistent and high. Check it out by going to the link in the show notes or by searching lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher. Also, take a moment to rate the podcast and write a review. It is the best way to get the word out there. Plus, you'll get the chance of having your review read on the show. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.